Good morning, North Point. It's good to see you and to uh, have the opportunity to be here. Uh, Rick, thank you for the invitation to be here on Labor Day weekend. That must mean you're the core group, right? You're the core group because everybody else is on vacation or camping or doing something like that. So thank you for being here uh, and listening to a guest speaker on this Labor Day weekend. I appreciate that a whole lot. I'm in my 20th year at Great Lakes Christian College, and I hope that you will take the opportunity to discover who we are and what we're doing. In our day and age in Christian higher education, um, it's really important that parents, as well as students, see the value of a Christian higher education. I mean, there's so much going on out there that is uh, troubling when it comes to uh, young people developing and producing and growing in their faith. And uh, what we've been doing since 1949, and if you figure that out, that's 70 years, uh, we've been training students to be servant leaders in the church and world, and we're all about training the next, Christian, uh, next generation of Christian leaders. Because we, we need more preachers, and we need more missionaries and youth ministers and worship people and so on and so forth, but we also need... Christian leaders out in the marketplace and the businesses and education and so on and so forth. So we at Great Lakes Christian College have 150, 160 students this fall. We're small, have a narrow niche, but we just really believe that God blesses in ways that we can't imagine. In fact, we have uh, the influence, Great Lakes has the influence of students. Uh, we have the influence in 40 of the United States and in 30 foreign countries. And uh, we're just proud of that, and we'll continue to work hard at that. I, I would encourage you to stop by a table. I've got a, a table in the um, uh, lobby out here in the hallway. Feel free to stop by. I've got some information about our online programs. Uh, we've got dual enrolled program uh, online for students in high school. They can almost, uh, I shouldn't say almost, they can get an associate's degree uh, before they even graduate from high school. So... Something to take a look at, especially if you're looking at uh, starting early, some of you who are uh, students and parents with high school students. So uh, we're just excited, and we're celebrating our 70th anniversary, and it's just good to have the opportunity to uh, point you to Great Lakes Christian College because we are in your neighborhood, okay? And uh, we hope you'll take advantage of that. Uh, today I want to point you to a passage of scripture, it's Ephesians chapter 4, uh, and I hope that you will uh, take a look at this, uh, whether it's on your Bible app or if you want to open your Bibles and so on, but the title of the sermon is Living a Life Worthy of the Calling. I think you would agree with me that if I'm going to be a Christ follower, I better be serious about it. I, I better realize that I need to walk my talk. I, I, I need to live out my life every day, 24-7, in such a way that will bring about influence in my world, whether it's in my neighborhood, whether it's where I work, whether I live, where I live, or, or where I go to school, whatever that might be. We need to live out our lives in such a way that people understand that we're serious about this. We're serious about the Christian life. Um, there was a man that uh, I felt was really serious about the Christian life. 
he used his resources to really get the word out about Jesus and about God and so on. A few years ago, you might remember there was uh, a campaign. It was a billboard campaign. And it was these billboards. They were black billboards. And on them were simple sayings from God. And they were printed in white. How many of you remember those? Oh, good. Wow. They know how to raise their hands. That's good. Um, Yeah, they were uh, big black billboards with white letterings. And here are some of the messages that you might have seen on those billboards. And just think about all of the people that drove by those billboards to hear these messages from God. Uh, The the one was, uh, let's meet at my house Sunday before the game. God. That's a good one. It's just starting. Um, How about come on over and bring the kids? God. Or what part of thou shalt not, didn't you understand? God. Or the real simple one, we need to talk. God. And I love this one. I do a lot of traveling. And I love this one when I get uh, into Metro Detroit or whatever. And here was this sign that said, keep using my name in vain and I'll make rush hour longer. (laughs) Good one. Or love the wedding, invite me to the marriage. Or I can think of ten things carved in stone, God. Um, This is a good one for summer. You think it's hot here, God. Or don't make me come down there, God. You know, uh, we better get serious about living a life that's worthy of the calling. Because our world needs it. Our world needs to see people who are dedicated and committed uh, to the Lord 24-7. So let's take a look at the passage. Passage is Ephesians chapter 4. And um, we begin, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this this particular context here is talking about unity, so he goes on and he says, There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Uh, a great passage of scripture to help us understand this influence that we could have on the world if we get serious about our Christian life. Now, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, it's, it's interesting because this, this particular passage here as we start in Ephesians chapter 4 is kind of the tipping point of the entire book. The letter basically is Paul encouraging the, uh, the uh, people in, in Ephesus to consider what it's going to take to bring about unity in the body. And what I like to think of is that if we are unified in the body, we're going to have an influence on our world. And so the first three chapters of Ephesians are, Ephesians are all about our position in Jesus, who we are. I love the music today. I, I'm a child of God. I've, I've been uh, chosen. I've been adopted, he says in chapter 1. I've been forgiven. 
And so our position is in Jesus. And that's who we are. But that's not all there is. The tipping point is talking about then our practice in the Lord. So I am a child of God. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. And now I need to do something. I, there's, there's something I need to be involved with. There are characteristics and qualities that I need to take into account. In fact, in chapter 6, he talks about the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. So this is kind of the tipping point where he brings our attention to what we need to be doing in the Lord. Okay? So Paul realizes that this What we're talking about here is a calling. Live a life worthy of the calling. And when you think about the Christian life, it's it's something that I respond to. It's something that I hear from the word of God, the message of Jesus, and then I respond to it in faith and in obedience. And so it is a calling that I need to respond to. And Paul understands this life to be a calling. The Bible says that we are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter says that when uh, we are then to walk in that light daily and, and, and continuously. And, and so the calling is this invitation to become a part of what God wants of us. And we respond to that call. So I need to live a life that's worthy of this call, of this position that I'm in, in Christ Jesus. Okay? And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, whoever claims to be in him must walk as Jesus did. That's pretty strong stuff. So here he encourages us to live a life worthy of the calling. Now, there's a special little word in there. It's called that, that word worthy, okay? And it's an interesting word because what it means is bringing up the other end of the scales. How many of you have been on a teeter-totter before? You know how those things are, okay? And you're hoping you're not the lightest one when you're on a teeter-totter and so on. Or maybe you think about scales. You're trying to balance the scales in some way, all right? That word worthy means bringing up the other end of the scales. So if I am in Christ, the scale is like this. And then as soon as I start practicing what I need to be practicing and doing what Jesus wants me to do, I'm balancing out the scales. Uh, Let's watch this video. Here's a bunch of guys that are trying to balance their lives out. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not a good thing, okay? 
But uh, that's just kind of a visual that I want you to hang on to because in Christ, I'm saved. But the world wants more. I need to add weight and value to my position in Jesus. That's what people want to see, is that I am in Christ, but I, this is how I live. And I'm, I'm adding weight to that value. Um, so we've been, we've been talking about um, walking our talk, how important that is. And the Apostle Paul in our text here gives us four qualities that are going to help us balance out the scale. And I've got this graphic here for you just to keep it in mind as we go through this, that as we look at these four qualities, um, the uh, Apostle Paul is helping us see what we need to be doing if we're going to balance out our scale and and add weight uh, to what we proclaim, okay? So the first one, he says, make... Uh, He says, uh, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And in verse 2, he says, be completely humble. Be completely humble. Now, unity never happens when we think we're more important than other people. I think that's an obvious thing. But as we look at Scripture, we find many things about humility. 1 Peter 3.8, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Acts 20, verse 19, Paul speaks of this action, and he says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. And uh, then this word describes the action of Jesus, and you're familiar with Philippians 2, 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And then in Philippians 2, 3, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Now, this describes humility well. See, humility is having a humble opinion of oneself with an absence of pride. It's totally realizing my position before God. And it's to be a servant. To be a servant. So if I want to balance out my scale, I first of all have to be humble. The absence of pride. Now, because I'm the guest speaker today, um, I get to drink water. Plus, you have to laugh at my jokes. All right? So I'm going to tell a couple of stories here, and I'm anticipating a little bit of laughter because Rick said you would. All right? So here we go. Uh, We're talking about pride. We're talking about pride. All right? We're talking about pride, and there was this lion who went into the jungle, and he wanted to prove that he was the king of the jungle. So he came up to a tiger, and he said, who's the king of the jungle? And the lion said, oh, you, you are almighty lion. The tiger said, you are almighty lion. You're the king of the jungle. He came up to a monkey. He said, who's the king of the jungle? And the monkey said, oh, you are almighty lion. You're the king of the jungle. He came up to an elephant. And he said, who's the king of the jungle? And of course, the elephant didn't waste any time, but grabbed that lion by the tail with his trunk and whirled him around and around and around and threw him against a tree, just kind of leaving him bruised and broken at the bottom of that tree. A few minutes later, he came to his census. The lion did. He looked at that elephant, and he said, just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean you have to be so rough. 
This is very good. Very good. Now, stupid little story, you know, simple little story, but how many times in our relationships, if we're talking about having an influence on our world, how many times in, in our relationships have we been the king of the jungle? Or we've thought we were the king of the jungle. I'm telling you, it gets us into trouble. Gets us in a lot of trouble when we think we're more important than we ought to think. And, or that we might deserve special treatment in some way. It always gets us into trouble. So if we wonder why our relationships aren't where they need to be, it's probably because we think we're the king of the jungle. In our marriage relationships, work relationships, friend relationships, as soon as we cross that line and think we're the lion who needs to be in charge, the king of the jungle, we get ourselves into trouble. In fact, James, he mentions in James chapter 4, 1 and 2, what causes fights among you? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Um, don't they come from your desires that battle from within? Think about that. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I think I deserve. And as soon as we cross that line with pride, we get ourselves into trouble. Now, if I'm going to balance out my scale and if I'm going to live a life worthy of my calling, which is being a child of God, then it starts with humility. But notice where we go from there. He connects it with gentleness, and that's the second quality that's going to add weight to my testimony. Gentleness, and gentleness is attached to humility. It's the considerateness that we show to others. It's the strength that we possess with restraint. It's yielding, not because I'm weak, but because I want the best for somebody else, okay? So to be gentle or to be considerate, it's all about the other person. Now, I want to get this word picture in your head. Everybody has seen a cement truck before, okay? And uh, let's just imagine that this cement truck is coming to an intersection right here, Okay, But they have the yield sign. The cement truck has the yield sign. But coming the other direction is a little Honda Fit. Well, that's a small car. Okay, And the Honda Fit has the right of way. So here you have the cement truck coming up to the intersection, has the yield sign, yield sign and the Honda Fit with the uh, right of way. Now, that cement truck has all the capacity and power to go through that intersection and basically clear out anything in its way. But for the good of order and the law, and of course those in that Honda Fit, what does the truck do? It yields. It yields. Now I think this is really important for us because we are like that truck. In Christ, we have all the power and privilege because we're the child of the king. And we might have all that privilege and power, but sometimes for the good of others, we must yield and step aside because we want the best for others. Now, that's not compromising my convictions, but it's giving way to the best for, to, for the best of what uh, everybody is involved in. Okay? So that's gentleness, uh, that constraint, that yielding. Now, my wife's name is Judy. 
And this really came home to me when uh, she came and confronted me about something. And if you've ever been confronted, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, I shave with a lot of water, a lot of suds, and when I'm done, the sink looks like I just took a splash bath, okay? And uh, Judy came in one time and she says, now, Phil, do you really have to make such a mess? Now, I had two options at that point in time. Um, the first option was I could blow off some steam and I could say, you know, it's my face, my water, my sink. I'll do with it the way I want to do it. Or I could have said, Judy, I didn't know this bothered you. I won't do it next time. I'll clean up after myself. Now, what option do you think I picked that day? <laughs> Let's just say it wasn't a happy time in the Beaver's household, okay? Okay. I learned a lesson from being this cement truck that was coming to this intersection where my wife was at. And this was something that matters to her. I I care about my relationship with my wife. And so I'm coming to this intersection like a cement truck. And I just went right through it like you never could believe. And I really didn't care what Judy thought. I really didn't care what was going to happen after that. But it wasn't a very good day. And I've learned my lesson. Guess what? I wipe up the sink now every time I shave, every day. Because I care about what she thinks. I care about uh, how important it is for our relationship with each other. Now, it's hard to be considerate of people... If I'm always thinking about myself, if I always have my eyes on myself and going through the intersections of life like a cement truck only brings about chaos and havoc. Jesus said, the meek will inherit the earth. The meek are going to gain friends. The meek are going to find respect. The meek are the servant leaders in the world. So we've got humility and we've got gentleness and you can see by the graphic that we're bringing our scale to a balance. If I'm in Christ, that's great, but there's more to it. Uh, I want to add weight to my testimony. I want people to know for sure that I'm in Christ and I want to have that influence. So the third quality that Paul is suggesting here, if we're really serious about living out our Christian lives, it is patience. And we talk about patience a lot, but that's having a long fuse. And when we talk about unity in the body or influence that we have, it's very difficult when people are ready to blow up over petty annoyances and so like, and things like that. And, and revenge is a word that comes about when You can't be patient, so revenge is nasty, and it it really accomplishes nothing. And, And you know, we've all been hurt at some point or another where our self-esteem has been bruised, or our pride has been punished, or our preferences have been denied, and we react And sometimes that reaction isn't the best. 
But the patience that we're talking about here is patience. It's not willing to fight back or get even. Not willing to fight back or get even. Story number two. You ready? You know what you're supposed to do, right? There was a a truck driver who came into an all-night restaurant. He walked in, came and sat at a table by himself, ordered a cup of coffee, french fries, and a hamburger. Okay? He was just kind of minding his own business till three really rough motorcycle guys came in, and all they were doing was looking for a fight. So they're looking around, and they see this guy sitting here by himself. And so he, they come to the table, and without saying anything, they just kind of took the guy's cup of coffee and started drinking it, and took his hamburger and took a big bite out of it and started eating the french fries and so on and so forth. And uh, the truck driver, he just got up, went back, put his money on the till, and walked out into the night. The waitress, she kind of followed, put the money back into the till, and came back to clean up the table. And these three motorcycle guys were, were still there and finishing up their hamburger, french fries, and cup of coffee. And the one guy said to the waitress, boy, he's not much of a man, is he? And she goes, well, I can't talk to that because... He's not much of a truck driver either. He just ran over three motorcycles out in the parking lot. (laughs) Oh, boy. I I, I like simple stories only to make a big point. How many times have you had a hamburger emotionally taken off your plate? Maybe it was the position that you weren't able to get. Maybe somebody said something nasty to you. And what's your reaction? Well, a lot of times it's to retaliate and get even, right? I mean, just this weekend, the traffic was horrible. I was on my way to Kalamazoo and coming up to the construction zone, and this guy comes roaring around me and just kind of comes inside and right in front of me, and, you know, if there ever was a time for road rage, it would have been then. I just felt like getting out of my lane and moving up in front of him and stepping on my brakes right in front of him to retaliate a little bit. No, that's not what this patience is all about. It's not being willing to fight back or to get even. Now, who does this remind you of? Who does it remind you of, of a person who had every right and position, condemned to death, a criminal on a cross, and he didn't deserve it? What did he do? What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Patience. In vivid form there. Not willing to fight back or to get even. So if we're going to add weight to our testimony and who we are in Christ, we need to be humble, gentle, patient. And the last one is bearing with one another. And you can see, if we were to just take what the Apostle Paul says here in verse 
two, this is how we level out our scale. Bearing with one another. Now, we don't use the word forbearance much anymore. But it means putting up with somebody. To put up with you. Now, my wife puts up with me because of all of my quirks and all of my annoyances and so on and so forth. She bears with me. She basically encourages me, even through the things that she says. But she puts up with me. And, and here's the thing about it. Judy loves me anyway. Okay? So as I'm dealing with people in the body of Christ, or I'm dealing with people in my family, I, I'm putting up with you because I want the best for you. Now let me tell you what happens when we're not willing to put up with people. We jump ship. We jump ship. We either get out of that relationship because we can't put up with that person or, or we decide that this isn't the direction we need to go. And, and all of a sudden, we're on a different path because over here, we couldn't put up with people. And it happens a lot in marriages. And it happens a lot within the church. If I can't put up with you, I'm just going to leave. I want to jump ship. But the encouragement by the Apostle Paul here is that we are to bear with one another because I love you in Christ. That's why I stick to it. That's why I continue to move forward. And if forgiveness is required, then forgiveness is required. That's connected to love. That's connected to the God love. Is to forgive, to bear with one another in love. And relationships fail because we cannot look past the quirks, the failures, the mistakes, the hurts. And we're not willing to forgive as Christ forgave us. Well, I don't know about you, but what does your scale look like? Maybe it's a little lopsided because today you were acting like a, a brute and you were coming through the intersection like a cement truck on your way here. Or maybe this past week at work, a little bit too much pride. And maybe you didn't get that position that you were supposed to get. Or maybe somebody said something behind your back and you're, you're ready to retaliate. What's your scale look like? Is it balanced today? You know, if I were to have you nudge your neighbor and say, well, this is where I'm at today. I need some help in this area. What area would it be in? Listen. The world is watching. And they don't see this kind of stuff here. They don't see humility. They don't see gentleness. They don't see patience. They don't see somebody bearing with one another in love. They don't see it. Can you see how these things, these qualities, will add weight to your testimony? It's one thing to be a Christian. It's another thing to live it out in Christ this way. Let's pray. God in heaven, you have um, given us your word to teach us. And I thank you for the teaching today that comes 
to help us understand the influence that we are to have on the world. Father, you've given us our position in Christ and you have saved us and we're so grateful. And uh, we all need to drive the stake in the ground today that will help us to be more influential because, not because of who we are, but because of who you are and what we're doing. The actions that we're taking. And so, Lord, I just pray that uh, as we uh, share together here at the end of this service, we might make those commitments to be a Christian 24-7 and to think about those around us, our neighbors, the people we work with, and how they need to see Jesus in us. And Lord, I just pray for the effectiveness of every testimony in this church family. And I pray that as we leave, people will see Jesus. And it's through him we pray. Amen.